I'm Nick. And I'm Alex. And this is The Games Wagon, a gaming podcast that follows the short attention span of two brothers, covering computer games, card games, board games, miniature games, and beyond. If you play it, we'll pay attention to it, at least until we see a squirrel. Ooh. All right, so we're going to do our first errata correction of the podcast in episode number three. I feel really old and mature, episode number three. There we are. We're clocking along. <laughs> So last week, I would argue that we didn't really do a review. What do you think, Alex, of our Beast of Chaos book review? Yeah, it was pretty rambly. Right. So it was more of a ramble, ramble slash deep dive. The reason, the only reason I bring it up is, I mean, under one definition of the word of review, it seems correct. You kind of review what the contents are, right? You don't give it a score or anything. But there are so many YouTube videos that say they're reviews, when really they're just overviews, Yeah. Or or an unboxing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so just to go against that type of uh, mislabeling, I would call it, um, mm-hmm. I think we should make an amends and say, for briefly, I say the Beast of Chaos book gets uh, four out of five pointy horns. There's lots of fun stuff there. Um, the bit, battalions sound interesting, but the army's a bit too haughty for my tastes. Mm-hmm. What about you, Alex? I'll give it 666 out of 5, as that is the number of the beast. There we go. I think we've got a bit of a biased one there. (laughs) (laughs) That that completes our errata. Um, But this week, we're doing pretty much the same old. We're going to have our pretty small uh, fast forward because we've been, at least I've been drowning in games. And so, due to technical reasons, advice from our lawyers, I'm pretty sure it was, wasn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Our six lawyers that we have for our three-episode podcast. I believe it's Johnson, Johnson, <laughs> Johnson and Son. Right. Has said that our previously entitled What's Going On section is now called What's Up. It works a lot better with the sound effects that we have. <laughs> right. So we're going to do What's Up, which is what we've actually been doing. And then we're going to have, it's kind of a deep dive. I'm basically going to just talk over my experience with my brand shiny new Razor Core X external uh, GPU device. Sounds good. All right, let's get started. So, what's on the horizon now, Alex? Um, I've been checking out a bit of the Kill Team Commanders. Uh, I guess I'm, you know, somewhat interested in that, but I'm also a bit jaded because I don't want to buy any more models, really. But I've been having a look over what's what's good and what's interesting in the upcoming releases of that. Mm. So, this At- is expansion Kill Team. You get Commanders. We talked about it last time. Yep. Um, adds a whole, I think a narrative layer. We were kind of right, yeah, it's very narrative-driven. You're kind of taking this character who's giving these effects and there's a big element of who they are. It's meant yep. to be part of your team now, yeah. I mean, I imagine that there's some sort of uh, customization that you can do with them as well. I mean, you know, we don't have the book yet or whatever, but there's sort of these broad characters that you can take. And I've been, I've been looking at them um, for orcs, of course, because that's what I play in Kill mm. Team. And I've decided what I really need is a pain boy. A pain boy, that's a lovely title, yes. And, and they are a type of commander that does what? Yeah, so they're like the doctor, sort of, of the team. But um, with the name pain boy, he's probably not the, it's not the kind of doctor you would like to see. <laughs> this is a 1600 doctor or 1700s doctor. Yeah, right? he comes at you with a big needle and a <laughs> claw rather than a hand. Um, but he's going to give you a um, six-up save, uh, like an invulnerable kind of save, I believe, when wow. you spend a command point. Yeah. And uh, he can also heal one flesh wound, like remove a flesh wound as a result of that. Uh, I found flesh mm-hmm. wounds are pretty devastating 
uh, on the orcs because especially if they were trying to shoot at anything, they definitely couldn't hit anything then. Right. Um, so, yeah, it sounds pretty good yeah. to me. Uh, the other, you know, they had a war boss kind of guy. Um, he's going to be great in hand-to-hand combat, but you don't really need that, I don't think, for orcs. You're already so good at that. And then there's a mech um, guy, which I do have the shock attack guy, and you can take that, but... I don't know. I'd have to look at the rules and see if he can actually hit anything with his expensive gun. I right. Probably can't. Yeah, I, I mean, I was. Uh, I had a look at it. I was more interested than I thought I would be, simply because who I play, who are the what are they? Astartes. Adeptus Astartes. Or Space Marines, generic. Um, they ha- had four options, and just like I said, I've got some models that I have. I could easily just smack one in, or even I've got two options I could pick from. And just add to it without too much effort. Yeah. So I kind of like that aspect, and it seems to give me a lot of ap- options if I did do that. Well, the weird thing is that, I mean, we've been playing 100-point games, yeah? Mm. And um, they were talking about, I looked at the Tyranids one, because of course I'm Xenos, mm. being Orcs. And I was looking at the Tyranids one, and they said, you can, so you can level them up. And if you leveled up the Tyranid guy to max, he's nearly 200 points. What? So, yeah, I wonder if there's going to be something else about um, points and, and changing points, having bigger games and all that kind of thing. Um, I, I don't know. I guess there's kind of rules for that already to some degree. Yeah, I, I think in the... Um, what was the box set called again? Uh, the, the Rogue Trader. I oh, yeah. They had more points than 100. So I'm pretty uh, sure okay. it's the same same idea there. Yeah, okay. Alrighty. So what have you been uh, checking out? All right. Well, uh, the release date for Keyforge has hit. Um, the card game from Fantasy Flight, developed by Richard Garfield. Uh, it is going to be the 15th of November. Okay. So pretty soon. So it was kind of weird that they kind of had all this build-up and they only... I mean, if you follow their website, they had some build-up there and they were saying, oh, they're going to do this event and that event, but they forgot to include the launch date, but... I'm hoping it's a worldwide release. That hasn't been confirmed, but uh, they have been pretty good with that lately since they joined Asmodee. Um, my local game store, uh, which is not that local, unfortunately, anymore, uh, said they're going to let you know, post details when they get them, so it hasn't come through yet. Okay. But you'll be happy to know, Alex, I went in uh, yesterday and secured a few more decks, including the one you said you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and I chucked down a bit more money to ease the uh, the purchasing of when it does come out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're going to get the starter set and then a few extra decks, um, which, I, I mean, a lot of people have been listening to things like, again, podcasts I listen to, Tin Covenant, um, Tiny Grimes on YouTube and things like that. They've been really putting down the starter set but then at the same time they're talking about how these decks can just be really good or really bad yep and i think having that starter set with its um two balanced predetermined decks so these aren't one of the exciting unique decks that you don't know what comes in everyone gets the same as part of the starter set and you get all the tokens yeah and then you get two of the randomized decks as well but i think that's going to be good because i mean imagine you get open two decks and you're learning to play and one person's just stomping you all the time yeah I mean, how else do you learn to play? They're at, they've been playing it, yeah, and they've been getting the... You can get some early access to cards and people are just printing them out if they know what they are and these kind of things. Yeah. yeah. So they're probably... I mean, the starter set doesn't make any sense to them anymore because they're not starting out. Right, right. But they've been saying, oh, you don't need to buy You just need to buy one deck. Man, you may buy one deck and that deck may stink. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, what a great way to get into the game. 
So I, really because I'm trying to convince a few people to play, including yep. you, I think the starter set was the right choice for me and giving us a balanced, uh, balanced way to, to learn the rules and get going. Well, yeah, that one deck that I do buy, um, it's going to be the best one that stomps everyone else. <laughs> yeah. We'll test them all out and then I'll I'm choose gonna, that one. I'm going to lay them down and you're going to have to make a choice. <laughs> there was one good tip that actually did come from Team Covenant, which is you open the decks to the level that you, like you open the pack, but you don't open the shrink wrap. Because of the, the shrink wreck with inside the deck box or whatever, right? And then you can see which three factions it is. Ah, uh, okay. So if you're like, oh, I don't want that three stinging factions, you can kind of swap out before you know the level of strength. And yeah. So, so that could be one thing I might be ready to do. But other than that, I just want the faction that looks cute and likes butterflies. Well, there you go. There's a few <laughs> of those. There's a there's a lot of um, lore going around. If you're interested in reading, but I must admit I haven't read. Uh, any of it? No, I'm not that interested. Uh, in other stuff, um, I don't know. Red Dead is tempting me, even though I've been going playing plenty of games lately. Still, uh, I got the latest copy of Edge Magazine o- online. That is, uh, Edge Magazine is a UK delivered one that's really targeted towards developers. They're notorious for giving reviews of four and five when most think a low game is what a six or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've been reading them for years, but I, I just get them from time to time, and they kind of seem pretty in love with it. They got to start it from the beginning, while most others kind of jumped in at different stages. Oh, okay. And were saying how great it was. I'm hoping that as the uh, person who hasn't bought any of the AAA games lately, Alex will be the one to get Red Dead <laughs> and try it out for our listeners, maybe. We'll see. Or maybe I'll crumble as well. It's looking pretty good. So what, I'll get it on PlayStation and uh, you won't be able to play it on any of your... Well... well we won't even be allowed to play together. It's, it's going to be online, yeah? Multiplayer? So they've confirmed again, but I mean, it's it's a GTA-style experience mostly, right? Yeah. And then the rest looks like it's they're going to try and... I mean, they have released very little details, but my, just my guess is it's going to be a GTA Online, sty- online uh, style thing, right? Yeah. I don't think there's going to be any co-op, co-op, which would be... Okay. It's all story-driven, so, you know, I don't think there's any race to get into that, and maybe by then Sony would have done something about crossplay. who knows? Yeah, all right. Um, so the next item on my fast-forward list is streaming. Um I can't say that I'm that excited about it because I think it's a long way off and certainly it working in Australia. Streaming games. Um, yeah, but the concept is streaming games. And so I guess you need less hardware at your end in a way and it's being taken care of uh, at the other side. So you could be... Uh, you don't need a razor core with a, <laughs> a TI graphics card in it at your house. That's, no. that's a way in a server somewhere. Right. So Google have done their announcement. Microsoft have done their announcement. Uh, these big players are trying to say they're moving towards streaming game, gaming. Uh, for those who have access to it, which has been a few journalists in America, as far as I understand, people have played the Google One with Assassin's Creed Odyssey being the test game. Yep. Um, and then Microsoft kind of gave some weird... Apple-like video where everyone's holding hands and getting along and thinking about streaming games. I don't know if you saw that one. <laughs> no, I didn't. It was pretty weird. It was a really unusually, like, n- normally they're like hardcore gamer, but instead they were like just old dudes saying streaming's handy. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the interesting, uh, there's two things for me. One is that they, 
they got the streaming down the Apple stuff, I think, to 10 kilobits per second, which is not manageable in Australia, but it's, it's something okay. Um, and the second is that while that's all going along with all the bravado, uh, in Japan, people are just doing it. So there's services already to stream uh, Resident Evil 7 on Switch. Ah. And there's a little app and you have to kind of, you run the app and it tells you whether you can do it. And then once you buy it, you get access to streaming Resident Evil. And uh, as far as I know, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey was just added to that service. Yeah, okay. Wow. So, yeah, with all this talk of Google, la, 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 like someone in Japan is just like, whatever, we're doing it. So, as far as you know, it's just some small company in Japan doing it. It's not some huge... It's not Nintendo-driven. It's third party. I yeah. don't know the details other than I know you have to run this tester and that it's working pretty well. And yeah. I mean, people, people are having access, especially in their major hubs where they have excellent internet. Obviously, in Japan, their internet is a lot better than Australia, so they're a lot luckier in that kind of way, and they can deal with that sort of thing. Well, there is a politician who ended up spending what twenty thousand dollars a month on uh, wife on uh, what do you call it mobile internet, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> who was a former IT guy? Okay. And uh, yeah, had had a bad connection was the reason he needed to spend <laughs> twenty thousand Australian dollars per month. Uh, it's as if in Australia we need some kind of national broadband network or something. That would be great. This is from the government that uh, fought against that for a long time, by the way. But yes. uh, it was pretty ridiculous. And he says, don't worry, I'm getting NBN soon and then I won't have to have this. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, my God. It's ridiculous. The the, the hypocrisy of it is, is almost, uh, uh, I don't know, depressing, I guess. I have one question that ties in with this. So why aren't you playing... Uh, the latest Assassin's Creed. I have been. It's coming up in What's Up. Ah, cool. What's up? Well, What's Up, Alex, as you so kindly asked, is I have been playing uh, Assassin's Creed. Ooh. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of reviews going out. A lot of people like it. I have to say I am one of them. Um, that said, I've played uh, just under five hours. I was pretty sure I checked when I hit the title screen. <laughs> so it's Got one of these late title screens. Okay, so when when you say that, you just go straight into the game. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's like a movie, you know, yep. Assassin's Creed, produced by la la la, kind of yes, ro- yes, roll across the screen as you sail out on your boat, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so you start on a little island. Uh, so you, you haven't even finished the first level, is what you're telling me? No, well, I finished. <laughs> I mean, uh, I finished the introductory world or level or whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, and I took my time. I definitely could have done it quicker, but I haven't played an Assassin's Creed game for a long time, so I was trying to get into it, trying to rediscover my Assassin's ways. So what are you playing it on? I'm uh, playing on Xbox. Yep. 360. Uh, just, uh, Xbox One. Xbox One S is what I'm trying to think of. Um, um, n- nothing special there, uh, but it runs. It, look gra- it looks great. Um, graphics are good. Um pretty smooth no complaints there um there's a couple of things uh i would negatives i'd bring up i mean one hilarious thing apart from the old bug is just your aggro horse that you have yeah so you get on a horse and was a great feature you get on your horse you press a button to kind of just follow the track so you can control it yourself and you just follow this track oh that's good yeah a lot of games have, I thought that was amazing when I found that in Zelda but I've discovered that it's been a long time for example it's yeah I know 3. they have it but mm, 
sometimes it's better than others. Yeah, and so then after that, you press go to, like if you're doing a quest, you know, go to the kind of zone uh, location that's marked on your map. Yep. But the hilarious thing is this is when your horse goes psycho <laughs> and, like, tries to mow down as many people as possible and gives no shits about anything around <laughs> it. It's like, oh, little kid, yeah, smack, whatever. Smack. And I'm just sitting there literally thinking, sorry, sorry. I was like, oh, no. you know, I grew up in this Greek island all my life, you know. I know everybody intimately, but I just mow them down my horse like no problem. Um, but it's a nice little feature that you just, you know, it's like a taxi service in a way. Yeah. And it drives like a bad taxi driver, it must be said. Um, other things is, yeah, I mean, see how it can get boring potentially. There was a lot of repetition already, even in that small period, but I'm really enjoying it and I'm building up my character and I'm picking ability, so I'm not quite there yet. It feels, I mean, it's really good at making you feel empowered. Right, okay. so, so you stab someone, kill someone, pause a little bit, do some other special move, you know. The Spartan kick to the chest is, is, is not getting old, you know. Yeah. Uh, kicking people off ledges as well. So had you played an Assassin's Creed game before? No, oh, like two or something, I don't know. And I hadn't even played that long. Hey, you look, just played a bit. i tell you what, I played um, Prince of Persia the remake ones or whatever it was, the okay. original, when they went to 3D and that was U- Ubisoft. Yeah. And that was on Nintendo 64, I believe. Oh. And that, that. Yeah, that was great. And you ran up the sides of the walls and everything. That game was amazing for the time. Are you sure it was 64? Maybe. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. What was it? GameCube? I don't know. Anyway, Let's keep going. Um, like a picture person of Sands of Time and things like that. That game was amazing. So when yeah. I played heaps of that, like I played a ton of that, um, aged myself here. And but then, so when Assassin's Creed first came out, I was like, whatever. <laughs> like I've just I've played three of those games. Okay. Um, and so I wasn't that into it. Um, I don't even think I. Yeah, I played little bits just here and there where I've got them on PC. Like I never really play them. I, I've just been to people's houses and had a quick bash, and that's it. Um, I've got a big question, though. Uh, how many bales of hay have you fallen into yet? I, ha- I can't trigger that. Yeah, I've tried to do a few times. One time <laughs> I jumped into some flowers. That's the best I've done. Well, that, that counts. Counts, yeah. It was clever use of flowers, I thought, there. Have you ever jumped into a wagon full of hay? Uh, or a wagon full of games? <laughs> no, not yet. I'm working on that one. I think that's a level 20 We'll, we'll mod it in. We'll mod it in. Right, right. We're working on it. Um, look... I'm going to do a tiny mini spoiler here. This is like, like I said, I've only been to the title screen, but you're on this small island and this is just about the story. Um, you know, li- turn away now if you, if you don't want to know. But you're on this small island. You know all these people. You grew up with them. You can't, you're an orphan. Somebody took you on the wing. The person took you on the wing is kind of a bit of a douche, really, if you think about it, but he was nice to you, so you're nice to him. It's, it's a bit weird, but that's okay. You have a little buddy, she's your younger kind of uh, friend who looks up to you. And at the end of the kind of first bit, you're like, fuck you guys, I don't care about you. I like this guy now, he's got a boat. I'm going to tell him all my life story and all these secrets that I've never told anyone right. and leave those other people behind. And I was just like, what? Like, it did. It just didn't flow naturally. I mean, you meant to leave the island and you meant to move out. All that happened was your buddies just came down and said, well, you know, sad to see you go, whatever, bye. You know, don't let the door hit you on the way out. 
Is it because you the aggro horse had pissed them off? You'd been mowing them down. And <laughs> I, I did work for them. I spared the, my little friend's friend from, you know, she had a disease. She could have been purged and I saved her. I mean, they say that pets become like their owners and I think you are like your aggro horse in this case. And you just throw people aside. That was not me. That was the story. That was just weird. I don't know. I mean, I'm not playing for the story. I, what I what I find interesting about this is I think there are many dimensions to why people play a game. Like, um, you know, take something classic like FIFA game versus Pro Evolution Soccer, if you know those two types of soccer games, right? Yep. For a long time, Pro Evolution was the better game, right? Everyone thought it had better passing and all that stuff. Yes. But FIFA's generally outsold it because you got to wear the jersey with Ronaldo's name on the back or whatever, right? Yeah, or you had your your team. Yeah. Um, and in this case, it's just the location is so interesting and the history is so interesting that despite all the kind of usual clunkiness that you find in games like this with aggro horses and bad story, I don't care. I just want to keep playing um, and experience it more. Yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty true of games. Um, a lot of them have terrible stories, but they're still great. Uh, great fun to play, and if you look at most of Nintendo's games, any anyone featuring Mario, then they probably have a terrible story, but they have excellent gameplay and really tight controls. Yeah, I mean, a Mario's story, one thing, but when you're trying as hard as this and you still fail, and that's what's sad, but, <laughs> but it may get better. It may get better. Uh, anyway, what do you what have you been up to? Sort of continue on from the streaming thing in a way. I um, played some VR for my birthday, um, well, actually, you just wanted to play with your mate, so you pretended that it was for my birthday. So we went. That's how much I care. <laughs> yeah, so we went with. Was it fun or was it not fun? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. There you go. The game. So that's in the city in Melbourne, um, if you know your way around Australia. And they have a few different games, but not that many that you can play multiplayer. Do you know what headset it was? So we go there, we paid for 50 minutes. It was, a, it was on special too, because I'm a tired ass. And um, I don't know, was it a... It was, it a, was a Vive, wasn't it? It was, it was a, a Vive. Vive. I can't remember, but I think that's I what it was. I thought it was a Rift. Anyway, it was Rift, I'm not sure. That's how great we are at knowledge. But you're playing Steam games. It was just a ba- bunch of Steam selection yeah. games. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they had every single Steam game on there, but there's only so many you can play multiplayer anyway. Right. And I think that was key for us, right? Um, it could be fun. Look, it could be fun to go there on your own and play VR, but I just think you really want that kind of multiplayer experience at a place like this. Mm. Um, so there was three of us, so yeah. It was a yeah. bit of an odd number, but we still did all right. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of choice, but the first game which they really recommended uh, very highly was this sort of elf um, shooting a bow kind of game, and that was right. really great. I think we all had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. I mean, it was very... It took me... I don't know. I was struggled with it because you had to make the motion to draw and cock an arrow and kind of shoot it right and I kind of got it and then at the end I just had lost it and I was getting a bit frustrated (laughs) Um, so we first we played against the AI and we sort of warmed up on that yeah yeah we didn't know what we were doing but finally we worked it out yeah and then we played versus and I destroyed you all (laughs) Uh, I don't know about that it was kind of close but anyway well, I, I think you were last, weren't you, anyway? I was definitely last. <laughs> uh, but it was a ton of fun because you really felt immersed in it, is one thing I've got to say, particularly when we were playing against each other. Mm. We'd just end up having these battles. You had to shoot to move around, so you got to shoot to a sort of blue um, glowing area and you just suddenly sort of teleport there. Yeah, it's all teleport movement. There's no yeah. walking around. Yeah, 
Um, but it works well in this game. And I think, you know, because then you're allowed to sort of duck and weave and we would just stand sort of shooting at each other and ducking and weaving. We'd have these long battles. And I know there was a lot of fun. And I actually, I felt like it was good for my fitness afterwards. <laughs> I could feel it in my yeah. thighs from all the ducking. <laughs> I think you got into it the most in the ducking and weaving. I was the least. I would occasionally, like, you slightly move my head out of the way of an incoming arrow, but that was about it. That would explain why I put so many arrows straight between yeah, the eyes. Maybe. Uh, but then what was it? What we played of that we were flying around and shooting. And that one, you sucked at oh, I sucked at that so badly. I hated that one. It was a bit... It, being a drummer, you thought you would have had better two-hand uh, coordination. So you had to shoot... Or no, you had to... You put one gun... So I always use my left hand as a, a kind of a jetpack that pushed me around. And then yep. the other gun shot. And then you could... If you were smart enough, you could kind of get some momentum and switch, switch to having two guns in either hand. Yeah, yeah. And that was way too much for us. Um, I did it sometimes. I did mm. that one time um, we killed each other at the same time and I had two guns in my hand <laughs> there and I just stood still and shot. Um, the one thing about that is I couldn't change my loadout because I was busy cleaning my... Because I got so sweaty playing the elf thing, I was busy cleaning the mist off of my lenses. I didn't figure out how you change your loadout. And you got an automatic gun, which I right. couldn't get access to. Yeah, our other friend worked out how to change the loadout. Yeah. And then, yeah, I liked the automatic. It was good. Um, yeah, it was it was it was decent. <laughs> you guys it? both felt a bit motion sick though with it, didn't you? Oh, I thought I was the least of the three. Okay. Uh, it didn't yeah. really bother me. I, I was a bit weird, but yeah. um, our friend, I guess he he said he yeah noticed he definitely something. noticed. Yeah. I mean, by the end of the session, I was had enough. Like, I felt a bit worn down and tired and a bit blur. No, I'm just saying with that particular game. No, yeah. It, it was more just, oh, my God, whoa, kind of like, what am I doing? Like, and getting kind of comfortable with it was the sensation I had because yep. you, you look down, there's nothing below you. I mean, it's not that scary, but it's just disorienting at first, right? Yeah. And you have to kind of get up to it. Well, and then we played that other game, which I wouldn't recommend, a sort of cowboy, silly cowboy game. I thought it might be silly fun, but... Yeah. Um, it never felt like things were connecting well. Uh, you had to sort of bend down to pick up weapons and things, but you really felt like you had to grab past it to get it. That's yeah, how I felt. more than you thought you would reach. And yeah. a lot of the time I was an inch away from getting the thing that I wanted to get. I was being shot in the back or something exactly. like that. So it was frustrating in that way. And I think then we became acutely aware of the fact that we had a big wire um, stuck to the top of our head, mm. which was... Um, yeah, it's, it takes you out of the immersion, I guess. Yeah, the wire did start to annoy me more and more, and um, it just was a thing that was kind of, I don't know, hanging over, perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> over the experience, because the more you moved, the more you did that type of dodging that you were talking about, the more it became apparent and the more you felt limited. Yeah. Um, and so we were just looking at, shall I jump in now to looking at the... Um, uh, Facebook's headsets and all yeah, that kind of well stuff. Yeah, I mean, it just got us interested in it and like what there was and the head and uh, movement of freedom and talking about streaming games and you know, yep. you can't even get kind of good streaming from your computer to a wireless headset, right? Like they don't even do that. I don't. Yeah, think. Yeah, you got to have a big fat wire mm. at the moment. Um, but the Oculus Quest is looking to fix all of that. Yep, coming out of, out of the latest edition from Facebook. Um, I don't know. We didn't know too. We couldn't find out too much about it because we're not famous no. game games journalists just yet. 
I don't think there is that much about it. So they said, what, spring 2019, which is presumably... Oh, there'll be autumn here, so it's not that far. No, it's it's pretty soon, like this, this first or second quarter next year. Yep. Um, I don't know. The whole key to it is that, uh, like the Go before it, it's going to be a standalone headset, but rather being on the mobile level, it's meant to essentially play the games that the Oculus plays um, already, at least most of the games or some of the games, but yeah. without a computer. I can't really see it doing everything um, and really punching out those graphics Unless it's going to have something amazingly powerful in it, and it's quite cheap. What three ninety nine US? As they said, that's cheaper than getting a PC most of the time. Yeah, I mean it's it's quite cheap. Um, where well, that comes with two controllers as well, the headset. Supposedly, I heard from someone there's a fan in the headset of some kind to kind of help cool whatever hardware is in there. Yeah. What about? cooling your own hardware which is your head whilst you're wearing <laughs> this thing it sounds like it's going to get hot i just don't think it's going to have the graphical power and i can see already people wishing for a modular slot to stick some giant graphics card on top of it it's your backpack backpack expansion yeah i don't know i mean i think you enjoyed the vr experience all over more than i did um i don't know i i mean we were talking about when we played original so-called vr back in canberra in near the in the 90s in the 90s very polygon uh yeah very polygonal it was casey's sunshine cafe was it yeah that's it yeah a great place to buy your uh uh Imported uh, gray imports, gray imported Nintendo sixty four games. Yeah. Um, and, and it was fun at the time, and and then you even had a bit more movement because you used to stand in these kind of gated, um, uh, I don't know whether whether those platforms, I guess, that had a little uh, rail around them, yeah. moving too crazy. Yeah, but you could kind of move around in them quite freely. Um, I don't even remember how you walked. Was there movement? Did you walk? Yeah, on a there track? was movement. Was it joystick? Mate. Mm, or was I it don't, the track itself or something? I don't recall. I do remember having the controls and everything. It could mm. have been that. Yeah, I think different games had different things on yeah. that. I mean, again, the same as what we did here. But the, the idea, I mean, the thing for me is that the idea is essentially the same. There was shooting, there was arrows, there was guns. Yeah, was, it, was, I it mean, actually seems very similar. And it seems like the technology, is it's prettier, but it hasn't really changed that much. I mean... Obviously, that's through a you know, weird lens of time, and I haven't gone back and played that other one. I'd probably hate it. But mm. it doesn't seem like it has advanced in these huge leaps and bounds. No. I mean, it, it didn't make me want to go out and get a VR headset, that's for sure. It made me think I've made good life choices and not got one. <laughs> I think it's just too expensive. You've got to have a top-line computer. Mm. Um, but even with the top-line computer, with, with exceptions of things like... The Batman VR experience, which seems to be high fidelity but very limited range of movement. Again, it's all teleporting, right? Yeah. I mean, what are you getting? You're getting these kind of very simplistic looking things where you get the benefit of kind of dodging a little bit, but the gameplay is kind of simplistic. Yeah. I think um, the main thing for me is that nobody's really come along and sort of blown it open. You have to have someone come in and figure out a good way to deal with this world and and to program those kind of worlds and it's just really early days people are still sort of thinking about it and they're going back to the tried and true standards i think yeah there's nothing i mean presumably at some point some killer game will come along right and then we'll probably be begging for one (laughs) as will a lot of other people but 
um, at this stage, yeah, there's nothing really killer that makes me go, oh, I should buy a $3,000 PC and then get a mm. spend another $1,000 on a headset and controls and everything. Yeah, I mean, what's so what's interesting is there is a specially uh, developed uh, uh, what do you call it, VR experience here in Melbourne where you walk around some industrial kind of uh, gutted-out warehouse and looking at the video of the, the Quest... Um, it has potential to be like that. And that's the next thing I want to do in VR is when you group of mates, four on four, whatever it is, in these kind of, you know, uh, how do we call them? Imaginarily sculpted worlds, right? It's just a big room, really, but it looks like there's a corridor or something like that. Yep. And you're sneaking around and, and you're actually kind of moving through. But that's interesting to me. There's a lot of talk about AR, right? So... Mm-hmm. Overlays and stuff like that, and so I wonder if the, bre- the biggest breakouts will be a VR AR combination. Yeah, I think it's also a bit of a different market uh, in a way. In like I said, that um, I found it quite physical, and I was moving around a lot. Whereas when you're sitting at a computer, there's something kind of relaxing and enjoyable about that. So you'll kind of probably still have this separation between the two markets. I think um, different people just want to enjoy different things. Right. All right. Well, moving on to sitting on the couch experiences continued, perhaps. Um, Forza 4 was the other game I was talking about and the other game that came out and the game I've been playing. Um, look, it's a Forza game. It's great. There's lots of reviews out there. I don't disagree with anything of them, but something just very stark hit me in the face while I was playing it. Um, I mean, the way you do it is it's this open, free uh, roam world you kind of have to sign up to races and stuff like that. So you drive to an area, join a race. The biggest new feature going on is that the weather changes. And interestingly, I, I wondered how they were going to do it. And what they do is once you kind of get to a, past a certain stage, you join a global rotation of the weather. So it's going to, for the next three days, it's going to be autumn. And it's autumn for everybody. Ah, and I don't mind that. I haven't actually experienced that much. Um, a little bit, I played it like that. It does make it a little bit weird, and it does push you towards certain activities and cars over others. While I was in the kind of tutorial mode, I got a bit frustrated because I was wanted to do one of the great challenges, which is these movie stunts. And I was in winter, and I just could not get more than one star, no matter what I did. Because my Lambo could not <laughs> plow through snow enough. And I was like, what? I want to do this. I went back in spring or whatever and I smashed it, right? Um, so yeah. I'm, not, I'm not too worried about that. But it just, it, 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 I mean, people seem to love it. But I've done I've done a few of the online experiences, these Forza events where you kind of all go to one area and you all have to repeat this thing over and over again to kind of meet the score. It's kind of boring in a way because, all right, we need the best score. You need, you know, a million points of all people present. So what do I do? There's a jump, and I have to get... My meters will add up to get a million points. So what do I do? I jump. I turn around. I drive back up to the top. I jump again, right? Yeah. So I've been staying away from those type of experiences and going for the races instead. And this leads to kind of the thing that has kind of soured me a little bit, which is I love my street races, tons of street races, been working that out, trying to finish off. Eventually, you become the champion or whatever. Working towards that. But... I, the progress that you get, even if you win a race, and even if you've jacked up the difficulty level, you get hardly any money, hardly any of the millions of bars that you have to fill for this game. What you get is spins on a wheel. 
Okay. And so spins on a wheel means spin the wheel, you can get a car, you can get money, you can get a T-shirt, you can get a hat, you can get a pair of socks, all this crap. You get, you know, uh, poses, voice lines, whatever it is. Don't tell me this ties in with in-game purchases. You can buy spins and all that other stuff. I see. Now, I was devastated with instead, one of the first times I noticed this, instead of getting a sweet spider car, I ended up getting a hat. <laughs> By a spider car, you mean it doesn't have wheels, it's got spider legs, right? Uh, <laughs> that's why you're not playing this game, and I was am. It, was it a Ferrari spider, <laughs> perhaps? Um, but uh, the, the thing with it is I've kind of really soured on this aspect of games, and what I really don't like about this is even though it was in previous editions it's just come really to the fore now and you asked me about because I said it was free on on uh, Xbox Game Pass yeah. or how the, why is it well it's really pushed it's, the, it's the, like I win a race win a race smash a race you know even on pretty hard difficulty even with my settings all down yeah get 10 grand yeah. you know get a lucky spin 150,000 or a new car that's worth a million you know what I mean or a hat or a hat. <laughs> and do you get cars and things though? Like you, you say, I really want to do this race because it'll win me a car. Like, do you no, get guaranteed prizes? No, no, no. Oh, no that's that pretty I'm, awful. Yeah. Uh, so there's uh, the way to get stuff is through the spins. How did Forza Three? I don't remember. How did it handle it? It was pretty similar, but there was okay. less. There wasn't. There wasn't hats and stuff. It was kind of much more simple about you either got money or a car. I think if I remember correctly. Yeah. Okay. And it just and and I just felt I had more money all the time. I just bought whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. But now they've added buying houses, so you can have quick jump points uh, for for um, quick right. travel. And so I don't know. I just thought I'm going to buy some houses. I thought that was fun, but they're not costing me that much compared to a car, really. Like there are some fifteen million dollar ones. I'm not buying them. I'm just buying the cheap ones and a couple yeah. done me. But like yeah I just felt the spinning wheels and this in the kind of light of it what we know about gambling uh, which maybe we have to do an episode on um, in games just just think of it this way you've got the experience of winning and the joy of comes with driving a car and you know my kid loves just going for these massive chain combos and driving for hours and yeah. whatever and we're competing each other and then you've got this kind of fake joy of spinning a wheel and did I get something I want yeah, and that's just uh, this addictive element that adds really, I think, a negative. Uh, it's just, it's just so I don't know. It's almost evil, right? <laughs> it's it's unnecessary layer of joy or pain or suffering onto yeah. what should be a joyous experience of just driving the cars around. And it's so thick in this game that's kind of taken away my enjoyment of it overall. Yeah, obviously, other than earning money, I think they think people are really into that because there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on at the moment with games and um you know like overwatch and things you get your crates or whatever and open it up but yeah i don't particularly enjoy these kinds of well, even if i do enjoy it i know it's it's a dopamine hit that's kind of this is so like it's, it's something different right it's like it's giving me this dopamine run that's nothing to do with playing the game yeah so, and and i really feel that's a poor game design ultimately but we'll have to we'll have to talk about that a bit more another time. But I'm still loving driving around. I've probably played it the most out of the games we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Just because it's easy to sit back. I love doing stuff like trying to smash the um they have speed traps and things like that, you know. 
can I do it in a non-optimum car? Can I reach 302 kilometers an hour, right? Or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and just uh, doing silly things in general and stuff right. like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So because I can kind of push that to one side, but yeah, I'm definitely not enjoying it as much as I thought I would. I'm kind of keen to play it in a way because I watched uh, one of my favorite YouTube streamers, LGR, or Lazy Game Reviews, um, playing it at the start of one of his videos, and he had just got his beautiful new car, and the first thing he did with it was drive it off a cliff and all the bits were flying <laughs> off of it. And he just went bush bashing for a while. And him and just, my, my steps will get really well along, I think, because that's what he does. He just goes off-road instantaneously. Yeah. He didn't even finish the first tutorial. It took him ages to get it through. It just looks like a lot of fun in that kind of way. Anyway, what else has been up for you? Um, well, of course, I'm still I'm going to go on about Beast of Chaos every episode, aren't I, at least for the rest of the year. Um, so the errata finally came out, I think it was about a week or so late, maybe two weeks, I can't remember now, but, um, and it doesn't really bring that much with it, to be honest. Uh, we kind of knew all of this stuff. Uh, the General's Handbook got, um, the changes needed to allow the Chaos God factions to take beasts. So if you're playing, I don't know, let's say uh, the Maggot Kin of Nurgle, mm-hmm. for example. Great selection there. Then you can take a, um, you got to take the Battalion of Beasts of Chaos that get the Nurgle mark. I forget what that one is called, actually, but... Mm, it's Pestilence or something like that. Desecrators or something, yeah. whatever it is, you know. Um, so we knew that was coming. It's pretty easy. Um, but, you know, one thing that I kind of question about um, uh, Games Workshop is their ability to read and write. And you'd think that the English would be good at the English language, but I cannot understand... good at the English language? I'm not sure you are. Well, come on. This, this um, designer's commentary question, can I read the whole thing or is that too much? No, I read it, read I, it. I cannot, I, I'm out. pretty sure I know what it means. And... Everyone had more or less accepted this, but um, the clarification is more confusing than just leaving it as it is. So we have question. Does the note in the pitched battle profile for Tsangors in the Beast of Chaos battle tome mean that they can only ever be battle line if they are included in a Beast of Chaos army with a Tsangor shaman as their general? Okay, uh, are you following along here still? So can they be battle line in other armies? Is that the short way of putting it? Well, it's because there's, the there's a misprint that says that they're always battle line in the Beast of Chaos book. Right. And there's actually, I think it's clarified because the shaman says that then you're allowed to take them. Sure. And to me, it's clarified in the book. There's no more needs to be said. But they choose to go with this um, crazy answer to that question. Answer, No. Zangors are only battle line units when they are no, taken. No, 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 wait, wait. Zangors are only not. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's a double negative. That's right. Yeah. No, Zangors are only not battle line units when they are taken as part of a beast of chaos army that does not have a Zangor shaman as its no, no, no. general. I thought I knew what that meant. Now I don't think I do. No, I do. I know what it means. It's yeah, just I guess they're me. trying to clarify because um, they're battle line for Zinch. So I they guess are in the, what do they call that? Um, whatever their thing is, they are for that, but they're not unless you have the shaman, um, the Sangor shaman for beasts of chaos. Right. So I just think that's written 
Yeah. It's a double negative. It's written so poorly. It drove me insane just looking at it. I, don't, I feel like it's a yes or no kind of answer, but they've somehow made it harder. Yeah, it's it's it was worded really oddly. But so in the end, what do we conclude? So you can take Zangor Shaman's inner to Zinch army as battle line. Yes? No, 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 no. So... Just the Zangors, just the basic Zangors. Yeah. You so can, if I have Zinch as my allegiance... Yeah, then if if you are that army from that, that army's book, what is that book called? Followers of Zinch, we'll yeah. call it. Disciples. I can't, disciples. disciples. Um, then they must be battle line for that. That's fine. Okay. But, so that, that is but for Beasts of Chaos, they're not unless you have the shame. Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. Which follows their general rules because, you know, if you take the, sh- the standard shaman, the Great Brace shaman, you're allowed to take uh, what I call Beastigors as battle line mm. um, and things like that. Like, it's pretty obvious. I just think that they wrote it, wrote it in this completely insane way that is going to frustrate people. <laughs> Uh, all right, fair enough. So, with your frustration, did your new Fitbit detect this on your why you were frustrated? Um, the Fitbit, I think it can just detect stress. I don't know about um, frustration. So this is your your new thing. Sorry, moving on to a new thing. Here. Yes. Um, so I got I got a Fitbit Versa for my birthday, and we're we're allowed to talk about tech on this. Sure, that's the point. And I think um, it really plays into the sort of uh, gamification of exercise as well, mm. which is one thing. I mean, in a way, why I kind of like it um, because uh, I mean I like playing with data anyway, which is pretty boring. But I, I guess a lot of people that are into things like Age of Sigma probably feel the same. And but it gives you those challenges and all that kind of thing, and you, you can measure it and um, have some kind of you know analysis given back to you. Right. Um, but I do have some issues with it, mm. and the first thing I noticed when I unboxed it was that it doesn't come with a charger, mm. which I think is totally mad. And and I I'd watched and read a whole bunch of reviews, and nobody ever mentioned this. So what it comes with is a cradle, which has at the end of it. You know, it's got a cable with mm. a USB Type A connector on it, mm. but nothing to plug that into. Right. And look, you have to have a smartphone um, to use this device anyway. Mm. So obviously, you've got that charger. But if you own an iPhone like I do, then you know that that iPhone is desperate for that charger <laughs> at any time of the day. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a bit mean, and I just think it must be a thing that. Um, people just accept now. That's just the standard. It must be, you know, I don't, I've never had a device like this before, but reviewers don't even mention it because it probably happens all the time. But I thought that was weird. My kid did ask me, uh, was it yesterday, oh, did we get the 2DS because it came with a charger rather than the 3DS, which didn't, uh, the new 3DS, which didn't come with a charger? Yeah, that's a bit mean, again, on that front, I think, because mm. even if you did have the previous 3DS, and you bought that one, maybe there's something wrong with your charger. It's not uncommon for those cables to die. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, it's a similar thing, and my answer was just simply yes. <laughs> and that was cheap. <laughs> yeah, The 3D isn't, honestly, I can't, can't look at the 3D for yeah, very long. Yeah, it was way long. cheaper and got yeah. you, gave you all the benefits. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, but, yeah, so it doesn't come with a charger, and then you got to bloody stick it on charge and you download this huge update, which on Australian internet took for bloody ever. Of course, and um, I don't know. I've been having fun with it. It's interesting to see areas I need to improve on and all that kind of stuff. Uh, probably my biggest bit of joy that has come from it was controlling Spotify whilst I was having a shower <laughs> from the shower on my on my computer, not just on my phone though. So I thought because it directly links up with the app, 
you mm. know, it's like, oh, whatever, controlling something on your um, phone is nothing. It does that all the time. But I was actually doing it on my computer and it, I don't know, there was something enjoyable about having this waterproof device to do that and to crank the music and play different tunes and that sort of thing. Um, so how much was it to control Spotify from the shower for the device? I uh, got it down to 269 in the end, I Oof. think. Better be some good shower music. Yeah, well, <laughs> they wanted bloody 299 but so I um, managed to get them down a little bit. That's good. Um, but yeah, I just think it's uh, there's some weird things about it. So you can put your music on it. I don't have any Bluetooth headphones at the moment. Um, I think you can just do it from the computer. I haven't looked into that yet, but it wants you to use Deezer. And what the hell is Deezer? Oh, I don't know. I, don't uh, know I have no are. idea what Deezer right. is. Do I have to know what Deezer is? Apparently, I, I it's do. Not, it's like a band, like Weezer, only in low drop D. Yeah, it's a bit strange. So, yeah, they they want to lock you into various things and make money that way. Is my feeling on all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, but you can download all kinds of apps. And so that app that I got was um, something for Spotify, right? Like I had to specially download that. Mm. It doesn't just do it straight away, and it's it just says some guy's name. And I was meant to look that up and put it in here, but I didn't do that level of research. <laughs> but just this guy's name. I'm like, who is this guy? Is he, is he the CEO of Spotify? I don't think so. He's just some guy who probably has a Versa and wanted to control Spotify from it. Okay. So that seems a bit weird. Like, it's the typical nature of these things, though, that um, they want to steer you in a certain direction, which is obviously Deezer. Mm. Um, to control your music and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, it's something I'll probably have to check out a bit more. Maybe I love it. Maybe I don't. Um, but yeah, it's, it's again, it's not that dissimilar to the sort of feeling you're getting with Forza, I think, in that they're sort of locking you into these things that you don't necessarily want to do. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's a big problem with a lot of this stuff. I mean... I like to kind of vacillate between Google and Apple and all those things, but in a way that just makes your life more inconvenient when you fight it, right? Yeah. So there's definitely a cost. As we found out when we wanted to copy and paste from Google Docs on a Firefox uh, browser, it's like, nah, you can't do it. But if you're in... Uh, that, that is just, we can do it, but you can't do it by the mouse. No, no. With you have to do it with scans, yeah. Anyway... Yes. There's a cost to kind of fight the man in this case, but I think it's worth it when you get everything how you want it. Well, yeah, this is one of my sort of steps away from Apple because obviously the Apple Watch would be integrated much better um, and and you can do a lot more. And I think I what I understand, I'm not 100% sure on this, but what I understand is that uh, you can do more with the Versa in Android. Um, but uh, I guess the biggest... Uh, thing for me is battery life and the first time I used this I got about three days and the second charge was about four days whereas with an Apple Watch you'd be lucky to get one day yeah that's a big thing um, yeah I don't know I mean I think if getting the more dedicated machine can also be good too right I mean Apple is kind of a, a mixed bag of what you get in terms of quality as far as I understand well apparently the exercise has gotten very good on that um, and tracking all that kind of stuff. But I've had no problems with this. It's not like I'm a video game and board game player, for Christ's sake. It's not like I'm a hardcore <laughs> exerciser. But I think this strikes a good balance in between those sort of things. And, mm. um, you know, at the end of the day, it's basically just a watch. Yeah. All righty. <laughs> Let's end on that positive note right there. <laughs> all right, I got one more thing, which is kind of a transition point here. Yep. Um, so in my third game is... With the acquisition of my Razor Core X, I got to push some hardware, 
And in anticipation of it, I had bought myself the game Hellblade Sununa's Sacrifice. And this, for those um, who don't know, is quite a short game that explores the nature of psychosis, I guess would be one way to put it. And it must be said, it was, or it still is, freaking me out pretty hardcore, which is what it's intended to do. Um, it's only a six-hour game, as far as I, I, I can say. Um, uh, as far as I kind of read, I haven't finished it yet. I, I'm going to say one thing. It's a very immersive game, and it does things like... It's designed to be played with headphones, and it does things like hallucinations, voices in your head, that type of thing. It does it really well. And it kind of really gets you in there and immersive. And so, if you want to play this game, I would stop listening right now. <laughs> spoilers? Just because it's not spoilers as it is so much. Um, uh, I think it's just best explained if it's a raw experience. Do you know what I mean? Like, the more you know about it, the more... I don't know, the more just going to tint your, your view of it. If you just want to go in, if you know you've been thinking about this game and you know it's on your list, then... Just go play it. You won't regret it. Off you go. So is that good? Just go away and play it now? No, no, no. Like I said, if you know about it, if you've seen it, if you heard it. But yeah, if you're interested. Yeah, yeah. Because the more you know, the the more it's going to... It's it's about being immersed. So as soon as somebody else does an analysis of it, the immersion kind of breaks just a little bit because you have that little voice in your head, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I noticed that thing they said. So So, Would you want to play it with a VR headset? Uh, it is it is VR ready. Ah. Um, I'm pretty happy as it is. I got the lights off. I got my headphones on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want any more than that. I'm a bit of a wuss, maybe. <laughs> so with that, those those who have stuck around, we hopefully be quick. I just wanted to make a few comments on it. Um, I pushed through. I did the intro part and then roughly the first level. Um, like I said, it looks great. Very clever idea. Um, it does it in such a way that I would say it's very natural. But one of the things that is, is that at the end of the day, the gameplay loop is kind of crap, it must be said. So, <laughs> at, at least of what I've encountered, and I kind of looked at a few reviews, and it doesn't yep. get much better. What um, is the loop? Well, the loop is either you go into fight mode, so now I'm fighting people, um, like mm-hmm. that, which the fighting is excellent. It's a game from, I think it's Ninja Theory. Great fighting. But the weird thing is, you're just in fight mode. Then, so combat mode. Then I'm in walking mode. And it's just one of those games where I kind of want to practice what happens when I slash my sword, right? Or something uh, like this. Yeah. Because one of the key gameplay elements of it is that if you fail too many times, you have to start from the beginning. Yeah, the save is white. They they think that's an aspect of the game. The fact that you can't, I think, and you have yeah, to but it's just again. So that's a kind of a limiting thing, right? It kind of boxes you in a little bit. I, it's like I, I I've died once because just because I wasn't that used to the buttons yet, right? Like I was yeah. just and I was trying new things. I was breaking out of the kind of very uh, boring kind of uh, safe methods that I'd found, and I wanted yeah. to. There aren't that many buttons. It's just dodge block and attack hard attack. I didn't ask you, what are you playing this on? So this is on my PC with my Razor Core X running a 1070 Ti. Yes, yes. Um, So yeah, the other thing is, so after combat, you're walking around and you're doing kind of one of my least favorite puzzles, 
pattern matching, and this is like, ah, <laughs> this is this is a pattern. Go stand around the world. There are huge visual signals of where you should be going, but even then, it's not always that clear, right? Mm-hmm. And but then stand in a spot, look at the thing, being next one, right? That's it. That's all there is. So that's and, the whole loop. And then you kind of have uh, run in a. Uh, kind of a more dramatic scenario. I'm trying not to say too much, but it, essentially, so once you unlock through this pattern matching, you have more of a kind of a, a, a kind of a, the fights can happen then, or in the one that I did, there was a lot of fire that I had to dodge. Okay. And so it broke one of the cardinal rules, I feel, of gameplay, which, come on, this is Nintendo's rule 101. It gave me a new mechanic in one of these dire situations, uh, and I died because I didn't know what the hell was going on, right? So there's lots of fire everywhere. Crossing a bridge, all of a sudden, I've crossed heaps of bridges, but this bridge, all of a sudden, I have balance issues. So I had to Ah. correct the balance. Now, the number one way to do that in correct gameplay is you introduce that scenario to me where there's no cost, right? And then later, you can put the cost on of death or whatever. I've forgotten what game it was, but I had a similar experience where... The whole time I'd just been walking across these things, apparently my hands must have been totally still with the controller and I'd walked across them fine and I couldn't figure out. When I went back, I kept falling off. Oh, that was in Luigi's um, mansion. Oh, yeah. Borrowed off um, your son. Yeah. And it was totally fine. Like, I apparently must have been totally flat with it and I could not stop falling off this thing and I had no <laughs> idea it was a mechanic at all. So, there's Nintendo breaking its own rule right there. <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. I had no idea. I'm sure there was a pop-up at some stage that you ignored. But anyway, I've I, I, I played that game and I remember it told me about it. But yeah, I mean, this... Because, look, it was a small thing, but because it has its whole, ooh, don't, you know, if you die too many times, you reset, then you got to you got to throw me a bone, right? Like, uh, yeah. Anyway, that said, I would argue once again that, um, one, because it's short, and two, the atmosphere is probably going to pull me through. We'll see how we go with that one. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I just wish it was a little bit less, I don't know, it's, it's too much like a video game rather than this kind of experience. And it's very common, right? You have this great idea for design and everything, but then the video game aspects themselves are a little bit shallow. Yeah, for sure. All right, so now we're going to move on to our last section, which is a hopefully brief deep dive. What have you got for us today in terms of a deep dive? Uh, Under the simplest terms, you know, external GPUs, are they worth it? Good question. Uh, Look, (laughs) for a long time, I don't know why, I just thought it was a great solution that really kind of suited my needs, which was to buy a box I could plug into a laptop and run a, a you know a decent gra- decent graphic card, you know, uh, with my laptop. I think it's something ev- people have been dreaming of ever since the invention of um, Thunderbolt. Yeah, well, it was talked about as one of the selling features. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's definitely there, and so it is available now. And I finally kind of splashed the the cost, uh, you know, the cash to get it. First things first, I have to retract my tip from uh, last week as well which was the great price of second-hand uh, 1070s. That's the second errata in this episode <laughs> already. Uh, this one was a little bit different. 
Um, one of the big problems is when you get a new setup and then one part doesn't work. It takes you forever to work out what it what it was. Yep. And so the 1070 refused to run. I had to take it around to a friend's house and do some stuff there, check their card, put it in their system, la, 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 check it again and all this and that and found out that it didn't work. Uh, I got a refund. It did cost me $13.80 for the privilege. That's the postage. Yep. Trying it out, but... Luckily for me, a sale came up, uh, one of our kind of big uh, games builds down here in uh, Melbourne, and I went out to the eastern suburbs and picked myself up a 1070 Ti instead for a really reasonable price. That sounds dangerous going out to the eastern suburbs. Yeah, it was a reason to drive the car as well, because supposedly it had some rattles and stuff, and so I was checking that it was going all right. At least that's what I say. Um, but yeah, so I got myself a Ti. It did push the price up. So I hit the $800 mark rather than $700 mark from last time. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's not cheap, but like I said, a 1070 was about 750 bucks about a year ago. So still doing all right, I think. Yeah, they're coming down a lot now. So what are the numbers like? Yeah, so um, what I'm running, uh, just to clarify, it does really matter what your laptop is to how good the performance is going to be. Um, and the general consensus, if you watch the videos and so forth, is you get about a 20% hit to the, to the graphics card if you run it as external. And so one of the tips is to run the monitor straight out of the box that you have, so straight out of the graphics card, which I'm doing, and you definitely do get a bigger performance if you do, do that as well. So you, does that mean you lose 20% or because you're doing that you lose... 13% or something. Um, I think I think it, it could push it. Yeah, it can make more, a bit less Close than 20. a bit of that gap. Yeah. A little bit of that gap. Maybe no better than 15, but it, it, the numbers are very hard to kind of lock on, but around that much. But considering as you were using an in, inbuilt GPU before, yeah, it's it's quite a big jump, right? Well, I didn't even have, I just had a, it, I mean, I've got a Razor Blade Stealth, it's first generation. I'm running an i7-6500, I think it is, U. So it's only a two-corer. Um, oh, yep. It's it's not pretty. <laughs> the numbers that I'm running. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the, the card is working great. It did take me a lot to set up, um, more than it was. It was not plug-and-play, as we talked about previously. Um, my number one reason for that, Razor say, go download this thing here to get your, your old stealth up and working. Mm-hmm. Load it up, press go. This is not a stealth computer, Bal Bal. No drivers for you. Okay. So that so it was an auto detect kind of system, and it said it's not a stealth. Yeah, auto detected my system, which clearly is a stealth. Because it's an older model. That's the issue. No, this there. is designed for the older model because ah. they didn't have the drivers needed. So I had to handpick the drivers. I had to go through. Then the, my old graphics card that I first had didn't work. That was a big problem. Blah blah blah. Eventually. I got it working, and once I got the new graphics card in, I mean, once I even borrowed my friend's graphics card, and once I had those updates, then I did get the plug-and-play that I wanted. Excellent. Yeah, anyway, so um, what's interesting about, look, let's go with the cons first. I mean, once I had those problems, it was hard to find support for it, right? There are not many people doing it. Yeah. A couple of good forums, a couple of good sites, things like that. But even the people on the phone were kind of a bit um and ahhing about what to do with my problems. So who, the people on the phone were Razor themselves? Yeah, Razor, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
I think they worked out quicker than I did that it was a graphics card, or maybe they were ready to bite that bullet sooner than I was. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they weren't great. Like I, like I was the one who would normally find the driver quicker than they would to update my own system and things like that, and and trying new kind of uh, possibilities. Yeah. Um, it is expensive, and in some people's mind, because you're getting that twenty percent hit, right? Um, you're not really getting what you pay for out of your graphics card. Yeah, you're not getting the full potential, but, I mean, in terms of upgradability, it's kind of, uh, um, you know, it keeps that old laptop running. That's exactly it. So the number one thing you do get is upgradability, right? So um, for the system that I have now, uh, the whole idea is I've got the box, I've got the external uh, GPU, um, and that's going to last me a while. And the next thing I'm going to upgrade is my actual laptop itself. If I had bought something like a Razorblade 15 or whatever, as soon as that gets old, then the whole thing has to go. Yeah, exactly. And they're really, especially here with the Australia tax, I mean, there's a lot of money to get yourself a pretty decent uh, gaming laptop. Yep. So hopefully what I'm waiting for is someone like Lenovo or the Dell 15 seems to have slightly improved thermals. So the more those thermals improve, the better benefit I'm going to get out of it. Yeah, I still think that uh, if you're getting a hardcore laptop, the thermals are pushing the boundaries of physics very much, and particularly the smaller you want to get it. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot has been said about the, especially the Dell XPS 15, and that if you get the i9 uh, processor, the Intel i9 processor, you're not really getting much out of it, but... Um, the thermals on the i5 and the i7 are actually meant to be really good. Yeah, I think um, with the XPS though, it's not really it's not hardcore gaming by any stretch. I mean, the great thing about it is that it has a Thunderbolt three port, so you could do something like this. Yeah, I think it's a 1050 to 1050 Ti, so there is an included uh, graphics card. But yeah, you really get to push uh, push the boundaries with it. So, but with my system, with my two-core G, G, uh, uh, Intel, it's not the greatest. Um, I do have some numbers if people are interested. So, I uh, luckily for me, uh, just on sale when I got my system was the 3D Mark uh, software. Um, the best score I got with it was a 9,013 running the Fire Strike, just the standard Fire Strike. And if you want to compare a new 15-inch with a 1060 beats that, uh, that's a Razer 15 inch uh, at 9,800. So I'm pretty low, but it's all in my uh, GP, uh, CPU. My CPU is getting a score of something like 2,000, mm-hmm. while uh, my graphics card is getting like 6,000 up. And if you look at the score of that, it's pretty even either way. So what is the score? Higher is better, lower is better? Higher is better. Higher is better. Higher is better. Always higher is better. Um, interestingly, when you run the new 3D Mark software, which is TimeSpy, which is pushing DirectX 12, um, which is kind of, I don't know, DirectX 12 has been coming for a lifetime, it feels like, so I'm not sure if it is ever coming. Um, but yeah, so it does much better there. I mean, it really kicks ass under those conditions. Because uh, it's more on the graphics card. I think it's more on the graphics card yeah. and the way that the physics works, because it's a physics slash graphics uh, tester. Mm-hmm. Um, it really kind of, yeah, somehow is able to uh, take more advantage of the card. But basically you'll be able to run some really beautiful games, but uh, 
don't get into some hardcore terms of civilization as <laughs> they really push the CPU. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting ridiculous graphics. I mean, I could another benchmark software is the Uni Engine Heaven. I mean, I'm getting a hundred plus frames per second, right? But my lowest frames per second is horrible. So it's just about that. When it works well, it works beautifully, but those mm-hmm. things uh, are pretty bad. I mean, overall, what am I getting? Well, unsurprisingly, my performance is something like a Pentium-class CPU, which sounds horrible, but Pentium-class is the only two-core Intel CPU out there. Uh, the, like current model. Yeah, current yep. model. So yep. I'm getting the equivalent of a Pentium-class CPU, yep. with, and I've got a U uh, model, but it's an I, it's, it is meant to be a, a i7. Um, but yeah, so it's about a two-core equivalent. I'm getting about a 1070s performance, roughly, um, rather than a 1070s Ti performance. Yep. But based on what the test is, sometimes I'm above it. So again, it's about that 20% hit. Yeah. So I'm getting quite a lot out of it. Um, and yeah, there are the problems, though. I am having some... I don't know. I've been having a lot of blue screens, but then I've also been, as you may have noticed, running a lot of benchmark software. <laughs> so I wonder if it's got something to do with that. And I, I mean, one thing the great about the TIs is they're meant to have a little bit of headroom because they, um, for whatever reason, they weren't allowed to be overclocked when other people released them. Mm-hmm. And so the overclocking is you know can be done by you. But I have quickly learnt that I am no master overclocker. Uh, because when I tried it out, I got my fan kind of whirring high and I got the temperature up, but I actually got a loss of performance. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's lots of guides and things on that, and I think it can be very tricky. One thing that people were finding um, with uh, a lot of, you know, we're talking the overheating and that kind of thing in laptops, it's all about undervolting, so that might be something mm. that you have to look into there. And um you know, maintaining your temperatures and those kinds of things may actually allow it to push higher. Yeah, I mean, everyone else has successfully got it up to about 2 gigahertz, so that's about, a, a, I think it's a 17, 1700, so you can definitely get some extra performance. You can get the RAM up an extra 500 megahertz or something like that. Yep. Um, and, yeah, so you can get a lot of performance out of the card, supposedly. So uh, with my two cores... I don't see it as worth it just yet, but going forward, it might be something I'll have another go at. I expect it to be all be running hot by the next time we do a podcast. <laughs> well, it, as far as I can tell, I mean, when I'm running a game, it runs well. It just has that, it, it does have those hiccups. If you hit an area and you, you know, the, go over the horizon of a hill, uh-huh. classic example, I mean, I will get chugged then, but then it goes from horrible to 100 you know what I mean? Like, so once the CPU bottleneck's kind of given way, it really is, is really doing quite well. I mean, are you playing games now, like, for example, that Hellblade that you wouldn't have been able to play before? Yeah, there's no way. I mean, I, maybe I could have played, but it was lowest setting. I mean, I, yeah. I, I did try out very briefly. I tried out a few games here and there. Um, uh, the Sea of Thieves, for example, not a, not a great, great game, but, I mean, it seems to be capped at 60 frames per second, but yep. I'm smashing that out on Ultra. Right, and before it was like I don't know cardboard. Right, it was like so grainy, <laughs> so bad I couldn't do anything. So yeah, I mean it's definitely given me the potential to play more games. Um, but yeah, I would say make sure you care about the computer you're attaching it to. Yeah, okay. So it sounds like it's a great piece of hardware in a way to keep an older machine, you know, still up to date, which is is really what you want. 
um, particularly with laptops, it's so hard to keep them going. Yeah, and it allows me to, you know, potentially, like I said, I'll, I'll upgrade my laptop and keep it in a small, getting the best I get, you know, in terms of uh, price for heat or whatever it is these days. Mm-hmm. And then maybe even then later, I'll upgrade the, the graphics card, right? So yeah. I'll keep the box and do that. So uh, Thunderbolt 3, I, I'm hoping, is here to stay for a little bit longer. I mean, Dell have totally embraced it. For example, Lenovo have embraced it. I mean, the Dell XPS 13 has four ports and nothing else except the headphone jack, right? Really? I think so. They've got no other... It's dongle hell for most people, so... I think it's... Well, it's USB-C. But USB-C. they're not all Thunderbolt. They're no. not all Thunderbolt. Okay. Well, maybe two, two, out of, two out of four. If but you're lucky, you get two. Yeah, yeah. Well, even so, I'm just saying that the, the standard seems a little while. I think five years at least, hopefully. Well, yeah, like it's going to be about the throughput of the graphics cards and um, how much that changes if they can't, you know, put enough through. But it looks like they can put quite a lot of stuff through it. Yes, you're going to take a hit, but um, it's enough to um, upgrade most laptops that don't really have anything anywhere near that powerful. Exactly. I mean, a couple of things about the Razor Core itself. It's pretty easy to do. I mean, it's very easy to open, very easy to install. There is the annoying little screw that requires some dexterity that fat fingers might struggle with like mine. (laughs) But uh, I got there in the end. The thing is, it comes with the tiniest cord. And when I heard this, I'm like, whatever, my things are going to be right next to each other. It's going to be no problem, right? So cord four. Cord. Oh, this, the only, it's got the power cord and it's got the Thunderbolt three cord. Ah, uh, yep. So the Thunderbolt three cord is tiny. Um, and I thought, oh, whatever. Literally, they're right next to each other. There'll be no problem. But I can't even face the core the way I want to because if I do, it, it would not be uh, long enough to reach to reach the uh, the laptop on the side that it needs to be. Yeah. So it is really, really, really small. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I am playing stuff. Uh, as you may have noticed, I'm playing a ton of games, so um, trying to enjoy it while I can. Uh, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna explore the benchmarks a little bit, see if I can eke out a little bit more. And in my lunch breaks, I'm often trolling the web for great prices on <laughs> USB 3 enabled laptops uh, Thunderbolt 3 Thunderbolt 3 sorry that's right, the yeah. one yeah, yeah. alright well it sounds like you're going to get a lot of fun out of it before it melts um, luckily you've got a 3 year warranty on it is it yeah so this does one that include uh, overclocking are you allowed to overclock it out well, of the box they say you're not but it does have so this, they, this is an MSI branded um, thing and it does have a MSI uh, Afterburner, which is a software logo on the box itself. Yeah, okay. Um, so the way... They're em- daring you to do it, but telling you that you should Well, the way NVIDIA do their cards now is they set hard limits that you can't push. So the software doesn't does not let you exceed those limits. You better use a false name and false company name. <laughs> um, anyway, well, I ain't touching it again after that horrible experience. <laughs> Uh, not at least till I get a bit more performance out of my laptop that would that would warrant it, but yeah, I don't know. I I would I would not say uh, I'm not sure if I would recommend it or not, but uh, it definitely gives you what you want. I mean, that's the kind of odd thing to say, but it's it's not disappointing, right? It's giving me what I want. It's working how I want it eventually, um, and yeah, it's it's it's. I don't know, people see it as extravagant, but to me, having two computers would be equally as extravagant, right? Yeah, so a game that's right. PC or, or a laptop. Yeah. This, this really keeps it all together and is much less of a headache than maintaining two systems. 
I mean, updates alone drive me crazy on the Xbox. <laughs> Every time I sit down to play yeah. something, right? Like yeah. Assassin's Creed, update, Forza, update. So having two systems, oh, I want to play a game now, my gaming PC, you know. Yeah. 14 years later, those updates will, will finally roll through. I think it's like a lot of, um, you don't get away from the problems of upgrading your hardware just because it's in a nice little box. You've still got to go through all the troubles and it sounds like you've had a bit of that and the drivers and testing and yeah. all these kind of things. So, you know, uh, people are used to that, I guess, and if that's your sort of thing. But if you want something that's just plug and play, we're not really at that level right now. Well, I mean, it should have been all else being equal if you'd bought some newer hardware, potentially it could have been. so. And once I got the not second-hand device with a three-year warranty, that, uh, you know, it did become. So it's pretty close. But oh, one thing I did want to mention, actually, is because you brought that up, is the GeForce Experience, which is their uh, NVIDIA's updating software that kind of runs a check and stuff like that, it will not update from within that. I have to download the drivers. Yeah. Which means I don't have the latest game-ready drivers. So they do these little bumps for specific games. Okay. Um, I can't get that working at the moment. So that's a little... uh, I'm not sure why. Yeah, so that's interesting because it's kind of aimed at hardcore gamers in a lot of ways and then they're cutting you out of um, something that is also in your area. It, it does seem a bit weird. Well, uh, it's it just fails the install, so it's yeah. pretty technically kind of complicated. Because I'm sure have, it is difficult. I'm sure there's a workaround and blah, 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 but I'm not, I wasn't mentally ready after <laughs> the amount yeah. of time I'd put in previously, so I'll, I'll revisit that one and let you know if anything changes. Okay. But it'll be great for the games wagon. So I can play millions more PC games. All right. Well, that sounds great. Should we go play some games? Or yeah, we'll go. We'll have a nap. One of the <laughs> Do we, Should we tell them about our social medias? Well, or you can always go to thegameswagon.com, uh, which will take you right now to our the Games Wagon uh, Facebook page. We can leave a post, or you can send us an email at thegameswagon at gmail dot com, where we'll happy to take your questions and give you a reply. Send us drivers for this box. <laughs> More drivers, the better. Anyway, I'm finally good at working, Nick. And I'm Alex. And until next time, I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. <laughs>